Empire. Do you think you could pick players who will be stars? The market, the prices of players will just sometimes crash or explode independent of how the player is performing on the field. So our promise to the customer is like, look, if you know sports and you can predict players' performances accurately, you will make money because on Mojo, it's all about the statistics of the players. It's all objective. That's Vinny Barrara, CEO of Mojo, a live sports stock market where players who beat expectations can be traded for real winnings. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. Ever thought you'd be good at selecting talent and seeing a trajectory that others didn't? Then you really should be a GM, but short of that, there is a new stock-ish market that offers the opportunity to invest in players' careers with earnings tied to their success. Our guest this week is Vinny Barrara. He's the CEO at Mojo, which recently launched an athlete stock market. You can invest on the careers of big-time athletes. Hey, Vinny, how are you? Good, how are you? I want to start with this, and everybody has said this their entire lives. I thought of this 15 years ago. You stole my idea, all right? <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. That's what we hear all the time. So, I mean, you know, we actually thought of this 20 over 20 years ago and, uh, and did something similar, so we can get into that. But, yeah, this has been a childhood dream for myself and, uh, and, and a bunch of other people associated with the company. All right, so the, before we get of this and what you've actually launched since you referenced you started something like this in the past what was it yeah so about 20 over 20 years ago uh, you know, way when i was younger in the 90s um big sports fan myself and uh, my two childhood friends from high school mark laurie who you, you may know is the owner of the yep. minnesota timberwolves and uh, and lax chandra you know we were we we were thinking it would be pretty cool as sports fans if you could invest in athletes like stocks and so we uh, um, you know researched the idea and um, and we were like, we went to lawyers and the lawyer said, if you do this the way you want to do it, it, it could be construed of as illegal because there was no online gambling permitted at all. And so as a result, um, we launched what we thought was the next best thing. It was called the pit and it was a sports card stock market. Ah. So we created a market just like a stock market where you could invest in car and, and athletes, but the proxy for the athlete was the rookie card. And we, it was this cool thing where there was buy sell prices, a ticker, we had market makers and it was liquid. And on Sundays, you know, Donovan McNabb and Dante Culpepper and these guys would be going up 30, 40%. And so it was pretty wild. And we wind up selling that thing to the Tops company in 2001, the, the largest trading card company uh, in, in the country at the time. All right. So the, before I get into Mojo then with you, since we are in a very new space, one, um, what do you think of NFTs? Where are you on, on that space right now? Yeah, it's a, it's a good good question. I'm glad you asked that. Very, very few people have asked me that. So one of the reasons we even started Mojo, this idea of investing in athletes like stocks, some folks would say to us, you know, when we were starting this, well, you can kind of do that through NFTs. Why? What's the difference? Why, why NFTs are better? You know, you should try to incorporate an NFT component into your market. And the thing that we always came back with was, the problem that we saw both in trading cards, by the way, and NFTs is that there's no true intrinsic value in the asset you're buying. So um, when we were at tops and we saw that there, and that you've seen this in the NFT market is 
the market, the prices of players will just sometimes crash or explode independent of how the player's performing on the field. So our promise to the customer is like, look, if you know sports and you can predict players' performances accurately, you will make money because on Mojo, it's all about the statistics of the players. It's all objective. And you're guaranteed a payout if you're right, you know, if you predict the stats right. Problem with NFTs is you could be completely right about a player. I think this guy, I think Jalen Hurts is going to crush it, you know, in the beginning of this yeah. year. Now, yeah, NFT, you could be down 80% right now. On Mojo, you know, you make like 2x. So that was our problem with NFTs. It was just, you just, you know, there's no intrinsic value. You don't know what's going to happen to the prices. And then, then, you know what, if you're trying to get sports fans to use their sports knowledge to say, you know, pick your players, you couldn't deliver on that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's get into Mojo. Um, obviously, things have changed here. Uh, sports gambling is legalizing. I'm not describing this as gambling, but you've already discussed how this has opened the road up to do this legally now. So can you talk about just the atmosphere in sports and the legalization of gambling and how this allows you to build what you are looking to build? Yeah. So absent you know, like you said, many people have had this idea for a long time, including us. Before the legalization of online gambling, sports gambling, the problem, um, I think, if you were going to try to do this legally is, you know, you're really like when you're picking a player on Mojo and you're investing in an athlete or buying a stock, you are really making a bet on how that player is going to perform on the field because it's based on his statistics. And so, you know, some folks have just tried to argue it's not a bet. And, and that's fine. And then maybe their lawyers can come up with some fancy argument for why it's not. We decided we weren't going to try to do that. We decided, um, hey, let's just be straight up. This is a bet. And the other advantage of that is that while it's harder for us because we've now got to comply with all the regulatory frameworks, it's better for the customer because there's all these protections for the customer. We have to have a reserve that protects their funds. I and mean, then you see the whole problem, obviously, with what happened with crypto and stuff is when it's not regulated, it's unsafe. And it's unclear, you know, whether you can earn the customer's trust. So for us, again, it's definitely harder. You need to raise more capital. You know, you've got to go state by state when it comes to the, you know, operating within the, the legal gambling framework. But I think it's better for the customer. And it opens up just a lot of different opportunities like this. Okay. Um, so take me through the start of it. I go on there. I like a young player and I think they're going to have a high career trajectory. How do you set a price at what their value is to start? Yeah. So you get on there, you open an account, super simple. You know, you, you give your information just like you would on a DraftKings or a FanDuel. And then you fund your account with uh, money. Right. And you can do that in a number of different ways. And now to your point, you search, you know, any athlete right now, we're just, we have the NFL, we have college players and there's going to be a price on there, a price. And that price on our market is, is we have market makers in, you know, a bunch of people in house setting that price. And that price is telling you the customer what the projection is for the remain for the remainder of that guy's career. So for example, I, my recollection is Jalen Hurts, you know, started out the year at something like $35. And what that was saying was uh, the market was expecting that he was going to have $35 of value at the end of his career. And those are based on six simple statistics. You can look up what those statistics are and calculate, you know, what that is. And so if you buy Jalen Hurts, which is a lot, a lot of people did at 35, right now he starts playing. As we know, in the beginning of this year, um, you know, he just, you know, took off like a, you know, he just outperformed expectations. So his price just kept inching up 
And the reason why his price ultimately, you know, doubled during the year was because the projection for the remainder of his career just kept, kept getting higher and higher and higher as he continued to play. At the same time, you could actually go short players that you think are going to underperform their expectations. So like Carson Wentz, for example, I'm looking at it right now. He's down this year over 20%. And if you thought at the beginning of the year, listen, I don't trust this guy. I think he's overrated. I'm looking at his projection for the rest of his career. I'm shorting him. I'm taking the under, basically. You would have made, you know, 20%. We have other, these other things to juice it. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. You're, you're kind of taking the over or the under on the future of a player's career. And if you're right, you know, the prices go up because the, the projections for his future go up. And if you're, you're wrong, you lose, you know, if he outperforms and you took the other side, if that makes sense. So this is not based on demand, like a stock market would be based on literal demand. There are buyers who want to buy the stock for any variety of reasons. The price will go up because of it. They will want to sell because for any variety of reasons, this is based strictly on how someone performs and that will track the price of a player. That's a great question. Very, very excellent question. So it is because as I, you know, when I said uh, a few minutes ago, at the end of the day, there is a statistical objective number where at the end of it, let's say you just decided I'm going to buy Jalen Hurts and I'm just going to hold it till the end of his career. Like I'm not going to, I want to hold this thing. At the end of his career, there's a guaranteed payout based on these statistics which say, you know, these amount of touchdowns pays this, their yards pays this many cents, completions pays this many cents. And so as a result, underpinning the market at all times is this kind of objective uh, certainty, unlike the real stock market where you never have that. Meaning to your point, sometimes these stock prices can get out of control and get irrational because there's no underlying like guaranteed based on statistics. And so you can kind of have this weird thing going on in the regular stock market that's extraordinarily irrational. In our market, there's always this grounding based on stats. Now, before the guy retires, like Jalen Hurts this year, like I mentioned, Carson Wentz or even Sam Howell we can talk about, you do have a bunch of buyers and sellers coming in telling you, yeah, I think his career is going to be X or I think his career is going to be Y. So, so you do have like that demand affecting what the current projection is. Like our market makers are looking at the signals to determine what line we should be setting basically. But it's, the great thing about it is it's always kind of anchored in this objective stat, which provides this rationality to the market. It's hard for it to get way out of whack because at the end, there's a payday. And if you hold till the end, you can't get too far out of whack because there's this stat that grounds it. This episode is brought to you by Chalk and Dog, which brings together the vast experience and expertise of two of the brightest agencies in media, sports, wagering, and gaming. With deep roots in the UK and the US, the agency offers expert guidance in everything from market entry to market expansion for startups as well as established global brands powered by best-in-class communication and creative experts. Chalk and Dog has vast international experience and delivers results-oriented, tailor-made solutions for B2B and B2C organizations. All right, let me ask this part of it then. Um, and you, you've brought up Jalen Hurts a few times. I think he's a very interesting person to think about when you think about buying into someone's career. I would argue that statistically, he'll never have the career of Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes, Joe Burrow, and yet he might win as much as them. 
So where does that fall into the value of a player who is a pivotal part of success on a team, but may not post astronomical statistics in their career? Great question. So you're basically saying how do wins factor into the value Correct. of a player? Yeah. yeah. Jalen Hurts so is we, on the best team in football, but he's not a top five passer. Yeah. So, so by the way, I agree with you. I'm an Eagles fan, so I like this uh, best team in football thing. But um, uh, what we do here is that we have a Super Bowl. We do have it in the stats, and that's based – if you win the Super Bowl, uh, you get a big boost to your price. And so we didn't put it on all wins. We decided to put it on the – the granddaddy, which was you got to win the big game, the Super Bowl. And so if you're, if that, if you get that, then that affects your price. But if you're consistently winning and not winning the big game, and, you know, we made a decision that it would not go into the, into your value. So we incorporated by Super Bowl wins. Okay. But you do understand what I'm saying. There feels like there's a fantasy aspect of this where I, if I were to invest in a player, I better invest in a player that is going to put up astronomical stats, regardless of wins and losses throughout their career. Yeah. I, we, you are right that we did not put wins into it. Now we, there was a lot of debate definitely internally about exactly this question. And it was back and forth. Should we have a, just a wins component? I think where we settled on that was because it's the career you know, we back tested this going way back to all, you know, players historically. There's a big correlation between the players who win a lot. Their careers are usually longer. And so they yeah. wind up still, you know, it's not perfect to your point. But if you're a winner, you're normally getting a lot of starts. And if you're getting a lot of starts, it's not just one season here. It's your whole career. Yeah. Um, now, there are some exceptions like, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick's a good example. He, uh, I have to look at what his mojo value would have been. But yeah, he, I don't think he was necessarily a huge winner. So you will yeah. get some of those things. But by and large, it kind of works out. Okay. So when you had thought about putting this together, in the end, you thought you needed a metric that would settle the market and be the barometer of the market and not let subjectivity be part of this. Because if subjectivity was part of this, it would easily lead to market manipulation, right? I value Brock Purdy or Jalen Hurts differently, even if their stats aren't anything near Pat Mahomes or Josh Allen. Yeah, exactly. We thought that by having a statistic as the thing, which makes it, by the way, which made it kind of betting, right? Because you're betting on a statistic. That grounds it. And so at that point, that's an objective settlement. So that's actually what the gambling laws require. So to comply with, the, the rules, they require you to have an objective settlement at a certain time. So for us, it's a long time. It's the career. You know, we're going to actually be introducing many other types of bets. Yeah, that you're exactly right. If you don't have the objective thing at the end, then, by the way, you wouldn't be able to be regulated by the gambling authorities. But then I think you start getting into the NFT land, sports card land, where it's like, who knows? And all of a sudden, you get these weird things that go on, and you get these crashes in prices when it's like, wait a second, but he's doing great. Why is yeah. Jalen Hurts down 80%? I don't understand. I, and so yeah. you're all, you're also now forced to think about who this player's coaches, what system they're in, because even if they're capable of doing these things, if they're not in a place where they can achieve them, it's not going to be a good value for you. A hundred percent. You got to think about really like, Everything, like who's on his team, who are the wide receivers, to your point, who's the backup? Is that backup? You know, you get this thing going on with the San Francisco 49ers. It's kind of interesting. You got Brock Purdy, who's definitely, he's run up, I think, 7X this year, coming out of nowhere. 
But there's still a little bit in our in the mojo market. There's still some uncertainty because you got Trey Lance, who is their number one pick, who should be coming back next year, and Jimmy G. And so there's a little bit. It actually holds down Brock Purdy's price a little bit. Whereas Sam Howell, you know, from Washington, is uh, he's picked up actually quite a bit because he was named the starter for next year. So these decisions by the executives of those teams and then like who's on your team matter a lot. Okay. And I can buy and sell. So let's just say I got in early on Brock Purdy before he was ever playing. And then all of a sudden his value is vastly different today than it was seven, eight weeks ago because of what, because he's played, what he's done. He's put up statistics and clearly his career numbers are going to significantly change because of what's happened over the last couple of months. I can sell him tomorrow if I wanted to. Yeah, absolutely. You, that's the key to the market. If you're going to have a market, a stock market, you better do it right. And and so we knew that, yeah, to your point, if I buy a stock like Apple or Amazon, you know you can sell it the next second. So we have the same thing. Like there is guaranteed liquidity. You buy any player on this market, you can immediately turn right back around and we and sell it. Like you don't see that in a lot of these other Again, that's the thing on NFTs or trading cards. You don't get that kind of liquidity, but but that's really important. Yes, you can instantly turn the trade around. Like so, for example, if you shorted a player or sold them, then you can kind of just close out your thing and 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 uh, and close your position out the next second. That that's an incredibly important feature of the market. Okay, um, all right. Take me through the technology and the user experience. What what will they do if they take part in Mojo? Yeah. So yep, like I said, usually you come on. You know, it's an app. It's available now uh, in New Jersey uh, only in terms of what states, but it's Android and Apple. You you know, you download the app. It's free to download. You quickly sign up. Before you sign up, by the way, you can browse the the market. You can see all the prices. We have a news feed, which is telling you what's going on, you know, in that market at all times. And and if you decide, I uh, you can add a watch list before if you want to just kind of see what's what's happening before you decide to trade. You can do that. So there's a lot of free stuff prior to having to deposit. But if you say, you know, I want to, um, I want to make a trade, then there's a very easy wallet feature where you go on and you can access your bank account or you can use credit card, debit card, put in whatever money you want. I think right now we have a $25 minimum. Um, and then, you know, once the money's in your account then you just kind of, you know, search the player, you like Jalen Hurts, does it go long button? If you want to go, you know, go long on them, go over. If you want to take the short, there's a button or sell them. And then you hit that button. You put in, you know, how many how many dollars you want to invest in that player. You click trade, and you get a success button. And now that that you have shares of that player in your account, and you can you can just monitor his price activity in the same way you would, you know, if you had bought a share of, of Apple or Amazon. And uh, you get push notifications around his price. You can again, you can you can check it by going to the app. So, and then, you know, like we described a second ago, you change your mind or you guys up 10%, you want to, you want to liquidate and take your profits. You just go right back on there again. You log in, you hit the sell button, boom, money goes right back into your account and, you know, rinse, repeat. All right. Um, Last thing for you. And I know it's early because this is still kind of new. Um, We see fantasy and gambling integrated into television broadcasts and digital broadcasts. Do you envision this one day, this way, that a stock market could be utilized as part of potentially game broadcasts or standalone content? Absolutely. So when we thought about the vision, one of the core tenets of like the long-term vision was that this stock market 
would be integrated into sports culture in debates and conversations. And of course, part of that would be in, as you're watching the game, you'd have the stock price of the player and the commentators would be talking about, you know, how much he's been up, how much he's been down this year, what the projection is going forward. And it's just a cool way to reference, you know, sort of the fundamentality of what the market thinks about this guy. So that's a, a huge part. We've already started to see a little bit of this early on. We've been in ESPN seven times organically where they're just talking about whether it's Brock Purdy or otherwise, um, you know, what's, what's going on, Zach Wilson with the prices. So that whole media component is a, is a big piece of what our vision is. Vinny Barrara is the CEO at Mojo. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein.